When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Jordan Canellis on SEN, your home of sport. Now under a bio, making the challenge and the assistant referee flags, penalty. And it's all unravelling really quickly. 3-0 Manchester City. They're running away with this as they're running away with the lead. Man City once again are the real thing in the Premier League this season. We have uh, 10 match days to go across the EPL campaign and uh, Manchester City are well out in front on the Premier League table. 71 points to their name. Almost, not quite, but almost 20 points ahead of Manchester United. Um, it's a, what's that, a 17-point difference, so they're almost there. A couple of games extra they've played though, Manchester City, but it really won't matter by the end of it all because they'll be champions once again uh, come the end of the season. In fact, they'll probably get there in a couple of games' time. Uh, to be fair, such is their gap. Richard Bayliss might know the number, I guess. Richard Bayliss from Optus Sport is with us on SEN this uh, Sunday night. Uh, Richard, welcome. Hey, Jordan. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Do you know mathematically how long it'll be until Man City win the title this season? Uh, not long. <laughs> I feel like we've uh, we've known for a while. They've got a couple of extra games played, so that makes it slightly more complicated because... Manchester United, for example, have played two games less, so it's probably not quite as soon as uh, City fans would be hoping. But even you hear Pep Guardiola last night or this morning, the way he speaks, even he's acknowledging it. And that's pretty rare, isn't it, for a manager, even in his position, to say that we're home and hosed. But such is the golf in the quality and the gap between the sides. So, yeah, it won't be too long. I'd say maybe uh, four or five weeks. Yeah, that sounds about right. They, they are, I mean, they're, they're so efficient. They're scarily efficient. They had uh, that win. Those goals you just heard was from uh, their win the other or the other morning against uh, against uh, Fulham. 3-0 win earlier today. And then uh, and then during the middle of the week, they had a 5-2 win against Southampton. So they're, they're absolutely rolling away. And they are... Once again, uh, Richard, they are just so efficient in how they get things done, and even with um, you know a couple of names uh, out of the side, you know having left in the in the off season through retirement or other means, Vincent Company in defence, David Silva, who has been such a legend for them, it really feels like there isn't much difference because they've got so much depth in their team. Exactly right. They've had that depth for a while, but I think the difference now is that Pep Guardiola could just about rotate one game to the next, and he actually did. Before the Fulham game, he made seven changes, which is completely unheard of unless you're forced into those changes but it's just because of the fact that there are that many players sort of knocking the door down and the guys like Gabriel Jesus to come in and score Sergio Aguero scored from the penalty spot his first Premier League goal since January last year so 14 months he's probably on his way out of the club as well we might see one or two players leave so even you know you mentioned those guys that 
have left. The, the conveyor belt of talent they're able to produce, you know, guys this year that have really come of age, Phil Foden, uh, Ferran Torres has come in and, and had a good season as well. They don't look like slowing down anytime soon. And from a motivation point of view, not just the players, it looks like Guardiola is very much set on this project possibly until they win the Champions League and you just wonder how much damage they'll do domestically before they get there. Not to be disparaging to Manchester City at all, uh, it's very hard to do that, but this season I guess their biggest challenger would have been Liverpool. Had Liverpool not had as many injuries as they did, do you think the title race would have been a lot closer? Would Liverpool maybe have been on top? It's all the sliding doors of sport, of course, but but was that was that the main challenger out of the way just through the through injuries? It seems that way, and also I think maybe Chelsea, when you look at the squad that they've assembled there, initially under Frank Lampard, now under Thomas Tuchel, on paper, they should have potentially been a lot closer as well. But it's also worth remembering that Manchester City started very poorly this season. I think the first five or six weeks, they were seriously battling. They're outside the top ten, and there were a lot of people questioning whether or not they'd even make the Champions League. Not only have they made... Those claims are ridiculous. They've gone on to lead the league by an absolute mile. So it is a shame for the neutrals and obviously for the Liverpool fans in particular for their team to have fallen away. I don't know whether you can just purely put it down to the injuries, though. That might have started the chain reaction, but it seems with Liverpool, there's just a a general sort of malaise that sort of crept in, and it's very difficult for any side to maintain close to perfection for that long. You saw two seasons ago, Manchester City cracking 100 points. They then had that dip last season, such as the, obviously, intensity of the Premier League. That The chances of City going and doing what they're doing now, again, next season, is quite um, low, I guess, unless they can sort of rejuvenate and, and mix things up tactically, which Guardiola's done, bring in some new faces, because uh, football world moves pretty quickly. So for Liverpool and Liverpool fans, it's is it is it it's not so much a deep-rooted problem at the club, is it? It's just, uh, is it just the natural flow of sport that they're, that they're not uh, competing again this season on top of their injuries? Well, it seems like there are a few elements to it. As we mentioned, those injuries, definitely they do play a role. Also, the type of football they play under Pep Guardiola, um, Jurgen Klopp, I should say, you know, high pressure, high press, that takes energy. And that front three, the fabled front three of Firmino, Mane and Salah, they've done such a good job over the past two and a half, three years. But the thing is, they haven't had that much competition. So they've played, you know, 50-plus games a season. If their energy levels are slightly down, their output's down. And in a team that defends from the front and tries to win the ball high up the pitch, just not necessarily winning the ball as much has a knock-on effect. Players out of position as well. Fabinho coming back into midfield last week, we saw a huge impact from him. There is a knock-on effect there. And also the, the psychological impact of winning their first title in 30 years, not having the fans there to celebrate. I think it's really done them a disservice. And then kind of trying to back that up as well. You know, I think you, you can't be too harsh on them. I think next season might be the judge as to just how they get through this period, maybe bring a few new faces in and sort of renew that motivation in trying to get back to their best. A couple of important matches coming up uh, tonight, tomorrow morning, including one here that ha- will have a, a pretty significant impact, I think, on how the top five looks is Manchester United against West Ham. This one's at uh, quarter past six, Eastern Daylight Time tomorrow morning. Uh, United are sitting in, uh, in, th- in second on the table. West Ham are in fifth. They've still got, uh, what's that, 12 games to play before the end of this season. And it's pretty close around, uh, you know, from, well, second really down to, you can sort of call it eighth, I guess. There's a couple of games between that bunch there and, and West Ham's right in the middle. Uh, a win for West Ham tomorrow morning will go a huge way, I'm sure, with plenty of games still left, into getting West Ham in Europe. 
how likely is it, do you think, that mm-hmm. the Hammers will be in Europe next season? Well, I mean, I think if they beat Manchester United, that will cause some serious shockwaves because people won't just be thinking they can play in the Europa League. People will go, hang on, no, this team can play in the Champions League because they're consistent as well as, you know, formidable across the board. They're just, they've got such a good balance in that side. And, of course, David Moyes, former Manchester United manager as well, seems to have them ticking on and off the pitch. They've got a good camaraderie. People still aren't predicting that they'll finish in the top four, which is remarkable given that if they win this one, they'll be level fourth with Chelsea. So, you know, there's no reason why they can't do it considering they've got this far. But you would have to look at it and think that Europa League is the most likely. And you would think as well, any West Ham fans out there would absolutely bite your hand off if offered that before the season because this was a team that was trying to stave off relegation pretty much until the final round last year. The turnaround has been absolutely remarkable. You look below them as well. Everton last night, really disappointing against Burnley. They're not really top four contenders. I mean, I know they're close five points away. They're just not consistent enough. Then whether Tottenham or Liverpool can get there as well. It's hard to see Liverpool doing it. I think West Ham, at worst, should be playing in the Europa next year. Tottenham have been an interesting team. They have been up and down this season, but they've um, they've got a front three working together now. It was a front two to start the season off with Harry Kane and Son Heung Min, but now that Gareth Bale's playing regular minutes once more for for Spurs after getting himself back into uh, into match fitness. Um, this front three for Spurs is becoming one of the more intimidating front threes in England. They're, they're functioning so well, and they've got the North London derby coming up at 3.30 tomorrow morning against Arsenal. So Gunners fans like myself, we're crapping our dacks a little bit, having to face the prospect of Kane, Son and, uh, and Bale. Well, and particularly when you consider what happened last time. I mean, it was 2-0 to Spurs, but they just defended the whole time, and that was typical Mourinho, you know, two opportunities two goals, and as recently as maybe three or four weeks ago, everybody was still giving crap to Mourinho and sort of, you know, looking at his style of football and saying, oh, how boring is it? How defensive is it? Because they sit back, they don't want to attack, he doesn't play Bale or or Ali necessarily, it's just Kane and Son, and all of a sudden he's picking those attacking guys and the story completely changes. Gareth Bale hasn't looked a shadow of his former self until pretty much two or three weeks ago. Now he's scoring goals, he's another outlet for Son and Kane as well, so there's not that reliance on them. And you're right, it's completely turned them into an attacking outfit. They've got really good players, Spurs, so they should have always been this potentially. But I guess for you, Jordan, and for all (laughs) Arsenal fans, you you won't play Champions League next season. Europa League might rely on actually winning the competition this year as well. But what you can actually do in the early hours of tomorrow morning is deny Spurs a place in the top four because if you beat them, it will go a long way to to stopping them from getting in those Champions League places and also arresting a really average run of form against Spurs of late. And as you know, in North London, that's uh, pretty much intolerable for an Arsenal fan to not be beating Spurs every season. You can almost put money... It's almost as sure as as thing as possible that Harry Kane will score in the North London derby because... He yeah. is, he's done it pretty much, I think, in every match, just about probably going back eight or so matches. He's got the best goal-scoring record in the North London derby. Mm. Yeah, and also, like, Spurs, you know, it's a remarkable fixture on paper, this one, because there is that. There's the Kane factor. He rises to the occasion. But historically as well, I couldn't believe when I looked at it the other day, Spurs haven't won at the Emirates since 2010. And I was actually there that day, and it was a 3-2 victory for Spurs. Arsenal 2-0 up at halftime. Amazing turnaround, and I remember thinking at the time that was a nuts game, but then 10 years later, 11 years later, that was the last time they won there. So there are so many different ways this game can go, I think, and hopefully it just doesn't turn into another nil-nil because across this season, 
we've talked so many games up, so many big teams have had something to play for against their traditional rivals, and the games haven't been as high scoring. So hopefully the fact that these two teams aren't in the top four just increases the jeopardy a little bit and we see something a little bit more high scoring. Um, for some of the other matches coming up as well in the Premier League coming up tonight. So Liverpool and Wolves are also the other... Sorry, that's on Tuesday morning, 7am, so that's the day after. Leicester and Sheffield as well. Are there any other stories that, you, that you've sort of picked out from the Premier League season so far? So on top of Tottenham and Liverpool having slid a little bit, West Ham coming up, Arsenal have been in 10th for most of the season. Everything looks pretty stock standard. The... the uh, relegation battle has been... I mean, these three teams have been in the bottom three all season long, but Fulham now are getting getting a couple of wins and results of late. They didn't beat Man City, but they got a win against Liverpool two games ago. Are they actually going to climb out of the, the relegation zone for the first time since the start of the season? Well, this will be the remarkable thing, and that's what I was going to say when you asked what the story could be. The fact that three teams could be so heavily favoured to go down, sit in the bottom three all season long, and then potentially Fulham dragging... You know, not just one or two teams into the fight. There are three, four, five teams that potentially could get dragged into this because Newcastle and Brighton are hanging on by a thread. Southampton are in awful form as well. Burnley won this morning, which is good for them, but they're not quite out of it yet. You know, you do sense that this fight in particular will go down to the last round. A little bit like Manchester City having played some extra games, so too have Fulham. And that ultimately is not an ideal position to be in. They've got a uh, goal difference disadvantage to Brighton. Otherwise, they're level with Brighton and Newcastle United just two points up the road. Obviously, West Brom are gone. Sheffield United are gone to the point where their manager, Chris Wilder, who's been there for five years, actually left yesterday. It seems like a out of frustration, mutual content, which is always uh, a bit of a furphy, isn't it? But it seems like his frustrations have boiled over. Sheffield United, long gone. West Brom, long gone. But I feel like this fight to avoid relegation will go down to the final round where it's Newcastle and Fulham against each other on the final day. Yes, relegation battles. (laughs) I do love them. Um, The Champions League, uh, just to round off on European football as well. So we are into the second legs of the round of 16. We had uh, our four... Uh, four of the eight legs were played last week, and we've got four more coming up middle of this week. Last week was so intense. So there was a couple of games, yeah. particularly the first two games. Uh, Juve and Porto, where uh, Juve actually won 3-2 on the night, but Porto got through on away goals 4-all. And then uh, and then Dortmund and Sevilla 2-all, but Dortmund won 5-4 in the, uh, in the, um, on, on the overall. Just firstly on Dortmund, um, Erling Haaland is... Unreal. I mean, this guy is 20 years old. He is probably the best young talent in world football right now. And it feels like, uh, Richard, whenever he scores, he's not just scoring one goal a game. He's normally scoring braces or hat-tricks when he actually puts the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, he's a phenomenal talent. It is scary what he can do. He's got everything. His pace, uh, power. He's so strong. After one of the goals against Sevilla, he picked up his teammate, Marco Royce, and almost held him up like... It's sort of like he coat-hanged someone against the wall, and he wasn't being aggressive. He's just so big and strong, and this is a guy that knows his way to goal, runs at defenders, scares them senseless, you know, and it was really kind of symbolic that on the same day that Erling Haaland went through with Dortmund, we saw Juventus and Ronaldo crashing out. On the next day, Kylian Mbappe, at the age of 22, going through with PSG, for the first time in 16 years, Lionel Messi also crashing out, so we don't have Ronaldo or Messi in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, which seems absolutely ridiculous, but the changing of the guard for Mbappe and Haaland to come in was quite symbolic. You know, the games were were mad, as you say, but you can't help but feel that this could be 
the seminal season where the balance of power just shifts. Even if we get, you know, still the big clubs, you know, your Bayern Munichs of the world will absolutely still be there till the death. But you just sort of feel like in terms of playing personnel, uh, this is a really kind of landmark season. And those matches coming up this week, Bayern Munich do have a 4-1 lead on Lazio heading into the second leg. So unless there's some catastrophe there, they'll get through. The other three matches are a little bit more in the balance. Real Madrid have a 1-0 lead over Atalanta. Man City have a 2-0 lead over Borussia Mönchengladbach. But this second leg's been played uh, in Manchester, so they'll uh, have the home ground advantage. And then Chelsea take on Atletico Madrid after a 1-0 win in the first leg. Uh, of those three second leg ties, which one are you? Which one do you reckon has the most on the line? Well, I think Manchester City are pretty much home. I know 2-0 is not in any way a done deal, but I think the way they're playing and also the way that Gladbach are playing, they've lost every game since they played City and they've been awful. They're mid-table in Germany. They could have been beaten by five or six last time. I think City still need to finish it off, but I think they're pretty much through. The other two games you mentioned, though, super tight. Real Madrid at home to Atalanta. If you guys listening haven't seen Atalanta play before, I recommend finding a game and watching them because they are just so entertaining and they will go to Real Madrid. They won't be in any way intimidated. They could go there and turn that around uh, 100%. And similarly, Chelsea against Atletico Madrid, a 1-0 advantage at home, not huge for Chelsea. And Atletico, remember this time last year, almost to the day, Atletico went to Liverpool of all places and knocked the Reds out against mm. all the odds. It was actually the last game played in the Champions League with a full stadium. So that's a little bit uh, emotional looking back on it from that perspective. But Atletico, top of La Liga, they're six points clear of Real Madrid. There's no reason why they can't beat Chelsea apart from the fact, of course, that the Blues still unbeaten under their new boss. And they'll all draw last night against Leeds. Another clean sheet. Defensively, they're really solid. That will be a super tight game, but don't rule out Atletico turning that around either. Richard, always good chatting to you, mate. Thank you for your time uh, on this Sunday night, and I'm sure we'll catch up again soon to chat more football. Sounds good, Jordan. All the best, mate. Richard Bayless from Optus Sport with us here on SEN this Sunday evening. Don't forget, every match of the Premier League is exclusively live on Optus Sport. Optus Sport also broadcasts dedicated Premier League shows each week, including Match Day Live Extra, The Watching World, Inside the Premier League, and an additional Premier League Today news show. Go and check it out. Uh, just Google search Optus Sport. It is well worth it. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.